0: Hello and welcome to Connect Point's podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Uh, If you're standing, you can be seated. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 29, we'll start there. And then quickly hit Hebrews 11, verse 6. I want to thank uh, Pastor Cox, uh, Pastor Brom, and Brother TJ um, for letting me have this opportunity to speak to you tonight. Uh, It's an honor I don't take lightly, and I thank you uh, all for letting me have that opportunity. I'd like to thank my parents as well for letting me, raising me, I guess you could say. They did a great job, I think. Amen. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29 says, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart, someone say heart, heart. and with all thy soul, someone say soul. soul. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently yes. seek him. For the next few minutes, I like to teach and preach on this topic, I sought the Lord. Can we just lift our hands one more time in this place? Jesus, I love you and I worship you, God. I give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise forever. I pray that you would anoint my heart, my mind, my mouth, Lord God, that I would be your mouthpiece and your vessel tonight, Jesus. I pray that we would all be equipped and inspired by your word tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. According to Pew Research Center, 55% of Americans claim to pray every day. That's Honestly, I was expecting a much lower number in today's, uh, in today's world. I was expecting it to be below half, but it is above half, so that's at least something positive. 64% of women claim to pray every day, while the average for men falls to a much lower 46%. The, the National Day of Prayer was enacted by President Harry S. Truman in 1952. The addition of the phrase "under God" in the Pledge of Allegiance came in 1954 during the Cold War, and that was to establish the U.S. as a Christian nation, as opposed to the Soviets, uh, who were uh, claimed to be atheist. And here, this is an interesting fact as well: 55% of Christians claim to rely on prayer before making a major life decision. I would think that number would be a little bit higher, especially if they're Christians. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, we are introduced to a story of David, of King David running away from um, Saul. He's not the king yet, but King Saul is chasing David. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, we're going to read a little bit here. It says, Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, That the king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business, whereabout I send thee. And what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servant to such and such a place. Verse 3, Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered, He's kept himself from women. We'll skip down to verse uh, 6. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. So the intro to this, the context to this story is Jonathan and David Have just made a pact. David was living with the king uh, in the palace um, with King Saul. He married his daughter. And now David is actively running away from Saul because Saul is trying to kill him. He's pursuing David at all costs necessary. He wants David dead because he knows that David is the Lord's anointed king. And so we read in this uh, first few verses that David is on the run. He's a fugitive. So he's running to this, this priestly city called Nob. And we'll talk more about that in a second. And, and then we find in 1 Samuel 21, verse 7 through 9, it says, Now a certain man of the servant of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doug, or Dueg, I don't know how you want to say that, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, Is there not there under thine hand a spear or a sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest, is in the valley of Elah. Behold, it is there wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it. For there is none other save that here. So David took that sword. It's kind of funny to me that David now is in possession of Goliath's sword. After just killing him uh, chapters before, he now is in possession of that sword. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 10-15, through 15, we read, And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul, and went to Achish, king of Gath. And I know this is a lot of scripture. We will get somewhere, I promise. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart, and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior. Notice that. David changed his behavior before them, and he feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gates, and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo ye, see the the madman? Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of madmen? that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? He's like, why is he here? What are you doing with him? Why is he acting like this? Is this not David who's like the most mighty warrior in all of Jerusalem and Israel? Why is he here? So in this story, we find David on the run from King Saul, like I've said already. David and Jonathan previously made a pact uh, so so that Saul's actions do not fall on Jonathan. And so David flees to Nob. David meets this priest Ahimelech. Ahimelech is afraid of this meeting because it seems so odd that a, a person like David would be up here all alone in this priestly city for what seemed to be no reason. I don't know exactly why David flees to Nob first, but I do know that at, the, that at this time, the tabernacle was pitched in, the, in, in Nob. So David couldn't turn to Samuel he couldn't turn to Jonathan, and he couldn't turn to anyone else but God. You see, Daniel under, or David understood some things about, about when he was in danger. He said, I have to seek the Lord with all my heart, because if I seek the Lord, he can deliver me out of this trouble. I can't, I can't turn to Samuel anymore. Jonathan is no longer able to help me, but my God has never failed me, and he's never forsaken me. So why should I not put my trust in him? So that's why he flees to Nob, to go to that tabernacle. And I want us to take a lesson from David's life. At this point, this is the worst position that, that David has ever been in. This is, this is the worst position that he has ever found himself in. This is before he becomes king and before he commits his great sin. So up to this point, he's kind of riding the high of killing Goliath. And, and now Saul is after his life. But he still makes it a priority to seek the Lord and to find direction for his life. Can I tell us tonight that the Lord wants us to w- wants to work out everything for our good? In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are of the called according to His purpose. You see, whether life is at the mountain top or the valley low, let it be said of our lives that I sought the Lord. Even in the good days and even in the bad days, I made it sure to seek the Lord, to seek His face, to seek His direction for my life, because that is what we should do in times of trouble. And that is why David understood that, and that's, that's why the first thing he does is not run away from his problem, but he runs to his solution. He runs to that tabernacle. Seek the Lord and seek his plan, and he will direct your path. That is what David was doing. David finds now a Himalek in the city. And the next day, he flees to Gath. He runs into King Achish. The story gets all the more crazy as we realize the land he is now entering. He is no longer in Jerusalem, and he is no longer safe in Israel. But now he finds himself in enemy's territory, the land of the Philistines. We might recognize that city named Gath, and that would be because Gath is where Goliath was from. First Samuel 17, verse 4, it says, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. So David is now entering the land of Goliath, their champion, who David had just killed as a young man with a stone. Can you think of how offensive that would be to those people? Here comes just this man walking in, and they're like, you know we know who you are. You killed our best guy with a stone. Like, we know you. David is, at this point, on the run for so long, he is so fearful, he is so mentally exhausted and, and just overall tired of running for his life, that he finds himself seeking refuge from the enemy. He found it better to, f- to at least flee to enemy territory because he wasn't safe in the land that he was promised to rule over. Think about how crazy that sounds. King Achish and, and David, they interact, and once David understands he will not find his help there, that is where we read our beginning text earlier. Luckily, David got out of there before anything did happen to him. But we we see David sought the Lord in his times of trouble, and we see many verses in the Bible telling us to seek God first. In 1, 1 Chronicles sixteen eleven, it says, "Seek the Lord in His strength; seek His face continually." Proverbs eight seventeen says, "I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me." Matthew chapter seven verse seven through eight: "Ask and it shall be given to you; seek and ye shall find; knock and it shall be opened unto you." For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. Seeking God is not always easy, but it, it will always be worth it. Psalm 63 verse 1 says, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. We find in this psalm that David proclaims to seek God. His, his wording makes it clear that seeking God is not an easy task. He claims that it is, a, it is an action. It is not something that we can just wake up, go to work, come back, and we're just perfect. That's not exactly what he's saying. He's saying it's a, it's a process. It's going to take some time to get there. You're going to have to grow yourself. You're going to have to develop yourself. You're going to have to commune with God every now and, and again to, to actually seek His face. Psalm 63, verse 6-10, through it goes on, When I remember Thee upon My bed, and meditate on Thee in the night watches, because Thou hast been My help, therefore in the shadow of Thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after Thee, Thy right hand upholdeth Me. But those that seek My soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword, they shall be a portion for foxes. You see, seeking God is a process. Seeking God is a day-by-day thing. But if we seek Him, He will protect us. He will make a way for us and He will deliver us. That is what that, that verse there means when it says that He will those that seek my soul, they seek to destroy it. He's saying, you know, you can seek two things. There's people seeking you as you're seeking God. And when you're seeking God, they're trying to destroy you. But if you just follow my will, follow my plan, seek my face, I will protect you from all of those enemies, from all of your uh, victims, all those people that are trying to get to you. I will protect you from them. These verses, they make it clear that we do not put God on a list. They make it clear that we do not put God on. As number one on just some random list and then say, well, if that doesn't work, then I'll go to something else. Well, if, if God doesn't answer my prayers fast enough, then I'll go to this or I'll go to that or I'll go to a friend or I'll go to a brother. No. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 8 says, and when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him. And read that last part with me. If it's up there, it's not. It says that God may be all in all. The Bible describes God as being our all in all. What does that mean? That means that he's not something that we can put on a list. He he is the list. He's not something that we run to in, try, in time of trouble. He's, he's just always there. We always go to Him for everything. For the good, for the bad, for the positive, for the negative. He's the all in all. He's encompassing all things. He can take care of your needs. He can take care of your, your health. He can take care of all of those things because He's our all in all. That means whenever we have an issue... We go to God and we, we wait for His timing in our life. What do you mean timing in our life? Isaiah 40, verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You see, these ver- that verse is, is not a suggestion. It's not a thought. It's not... Well, maybe if I do that, He'll do this. No, it is, a, it is a promise from God that says when we seek His face, when we wait upon the Lord and wait on His timing, that, that's when He renews our strength. That's when we can run and not be weary. We can walk and not faint. We can keep going toward the high calling of Christ that He's called us to. I'm reminded of Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. What a verse. If we faint not, we will reap what we sow. What, what do we reap? What is the benefit of daily devotion? What is the benefit of consecration to the Lord? What is the benefit of seeking His face? The verse, verses previous to that say in Galatians 6, 7-8, through 8, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You see, the beauty of seeking the Lord is that life everlasting. It's when we will seek His will. It's when we, when we seek His will. That's when He draws us to repentance, to baptism, and to the Holy Ghost. And if we already have those things, He keeps drawing us further and further. And He molds us and He shapes us into the person that we want to be. So we can get up every morning and seek His face. And He'll keep pushing and prodding us to the person He wants us to be until we enter into that eternal reward of heaven. And that is when we will see our Savior, the one that we've been pushing toward, the one that we've been seeking after. What a day that will be when we finally lay eyes on Jesus, when we finally see His face, and it'll all be worth it. What a day that'll be. The hard work will pay off if we keep, keep seeking His face. Seeking the Lord means seeking Him when we think we have everything figured out and seeking Him when we have no idea what we're going to do next. In the same story of David being on the run, we find him seeking God before making any decision that could uh, put him at risk. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 2-5, through 5, it says, Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? So just for context, I'm going to slow down a little bit here. Just for context, David comes and fights the Philistines at this place called Keilah, or Keilah. Google Translate said Kayla, so we're going to go with Kayla. Um, he frees the people uh, off the Philistine bondage, and so now he's hiding there with his army. Saul, however, hears of this. He goes to the place where David previously was in Nob, and he kills all the, the some of the priests there, which is not good, obviously. But now, now Saul knows that David is in Kayla, so, so David is... Is, or Saul is coming to meet David. He's trying to kill him still. He's just pursuing relentlessly without stopping. He's just going after David as best as he can. So we read in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 2-5. through 5, Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Caleb. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. This is his army. He's saying, We're afraid here. How much more than if we if we go to Calah again against the armies of the Philistines? And then David said one more time, he went to pray, and he says, Lord, Lord, he, will you deliver us? And and the Lord answered him and said, Go down to Cala, for I will deliver thee, the Philistines, into thine hand. And look at the immediate response of David in verse five. It says, So David and his men went to Cala and fought with the Philistines. There is no hesitation. David gets up, he says, okay, the Lord has promised me this, so I'm going to just go do it. He gets up, he goes down with his army, and look what the Bible says. So David and his men went to Cala and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Caleb. David trusted and relied so much on the Lord that every move he made was based on divine orchestration from God. How much easier would our lives be if before acting in a rash decision, before acting uh, quickly just because we want to, to move, how, how much easier would our lives be if we just stopped for a second and said, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? God, what do you want me to do with this problem? God, how do you want me to handle this person? God, how do you want me to witness to this person? God, how do you want me to deal with this situation? How much more easy would our lives be and how much less problems would we have if we just focused on seeking God's will for our lives? Now, I'm not saying you have to wake up in the morning and say, God, what should I eat for breakfast? Like, that's simple, obviously, whatever you want. But there are situations where you should seek the face of God for your life. I urge us tonight, because the Lord is speaking. He's always speaking. He's never silent. And He wants what is best for His people. But He cannot tell us what to do if, if we don't seek Him. So we continue this story in 1 Samuel 23, uh, verse number 10 through 13. It says, Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down, as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then said David, Will the men of Cala deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. Then David and his men, which were about six hundred, arose and departed out of Cala, and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Cala, and he forbear to go forth. So what does this mean? God tells David exactly what is going to happen. He says, "If you need to you need to get up and leave because Saul is coming down to the city you're in. He's going to try and kill you. And if you stay and you think that the people that you just saved are going to be your friend, well, you're wrong because they would betray you and they would turn you over to Saul. So he's saying you have to leave, you have to run, you have to get your men and get out of there. So that's what they do. And the story doesn't end there, but just for the sake of Of time and correlation to other stories, I want to to draw our attention over to another story, which is the story of Joseph. I want us to see that just because we seek the Lord does not always mean we will like the plan he has for us, and it doesn't mean his plan is instant and we get to know every detail. One thing that is so cool about the story in 1 Samuel is David Praise to the Lord and it seems like instantly he gets that response like instantly the Lord says go or wait or fight or don't fight but that's not always the case in fact I would say the opposite is true that God's process sometimes requires time to perfectly produce what he wants from us Joseph was a just man we all know Joseph he was a pure man one that sought God he was given dreams and, and visions with little to no idea of how they would come to pass. <clears throat> he was given promises by God, and all he knew what to do was just hold on. Sometimes that's all we need. Sometimes in, to, we just need to hold on, to just to just keep seeking God, to just keep going day by day. Brother Scott Graham preached a message at a. Uh, family camp, I believe, called the accomplishment is in the days. And I urge you, if you have never heard that message, to go listen to it because it's a a beautiful message about the process, about how, you know, the accomplishment is literally in the days. Like you get up, you pray, you do your devotionals, you study the word, that's an accomplishment. And you do that. You you go to intercession for your brother, for your lost loved one, for 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 the the friend that you have that's not saved. And the accomplishment is not in the result of that, but the accomplishment is that you got up and you you sought the Lord for that. It was a great sermon. But we see Joseph was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery. Genesis chapter thirty-seven, verse twenty-three through twenty-four. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that. They stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. We skip down to verse 28. Then there passed many merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Joseph had no idea what was going to happen to him. He had no idea what his life would turn out to be but he still sought God's plan for his own life. Joseph later down the road interprets Pharaoh's dreams. Many uh, years later, he interprets Pharaoh's dreams, and he becomes the second in command over all of Egypt. And we all know this story in Genesis uh, 34, 37 through 40. It's not 34. I gave Macy the wrong one. It's 41, but she got the right verse up there. Praise God. It says, "...and the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants." And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne, someone say only in the the throne, will I be greater than thou. This leads... Uh, Joseph and his family back to reconciliation with each other. And Jacob, now named Israel, gets to die peacefully knowing his children are now together again. Because of Joseph's obedience to God, the children of Israel prosper and grow. And we know how the rest of the story goes. But this is a story we could also learn from. Because Joseph lives a life of faithfulness. And he seeks God's will for his life even when the answers aren't clear. Even when he prays and there's still no answer, he still follows the voice of God. He still follows whatever he knew God was leading him to, whatever he felt like God was leading him to. Even when there's no direct source or no direct uh, uh, answer, Joseph still follows after God. Joseph gives us good examples that when we trust in God and when we seek His face, He will direct our path. So whether you find yourself knowing the next step Or not, I want to let someone know that to seek God's face and to seek His will for your life, and you will know and find God's purpose for your life. You say, how do you know? How do you know that to be true? Because David later learns this lesson himself, and this is where the whole inspiration of this lesson came from in Psalm 34. It's a famous, famous passage. This verse is a famous passage that we read all the time. We say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. People say that all the time. You know, get them excited. I will bless the Lord at all times. Glory. But then verse 2 says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Verse three: Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. But then this is where the inspiration came from. Verse 4, I sought the Lord. And he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. David, what are you talking about? Well, this verse is actually in reference to that story in 1 Samuel. David, how, how could you praise the Lord? David, how, how could you praise bless the Lord at all times when you're literally on the run for your life? David, how can you magnify a God and exalt his name when you're being hunted like a fugitive by King Saul? Because he sought the Lord, and he sought his name, and he sought the will for his life. And that is why the Lord delivered him out of all his fears. That's what that means. He delivered me from all my fears. That means he was delivered from the hand of Saul. And we know the rest of David's story. He becomes elevated to the kingship position, and he goes on to live a great and prosperous life. But that's that's how we know. That's why we seek God's face. because, Because he will... He heard us and He will deliver us out of all of our fears. I just want to stop there for a second. I want to say, what fears do we have in our own lives? What fears are, are we dealing with in our, in our personal life that we can just seek the Lord about? Because it's a direct correlation in this verse. He sought the Lord and the Lord heard Him and the Lord delivered Him. There's a three-step process there, but it starts with seeking the Lord. You can't get to the deliverance without the seeking. You can't get from, You can't let the Lord hear you if you never seek Him. The, the, the steps are important. You have to follow that steps for your life. In Psalms 34, it, uh, going down to verse 5, it says, "...they looked unto Him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them, that fear him and delivereth them." And then verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. The Lord made a way of escape for David. Time after time, He elevated David to the throne. And out of the bloodline and lineage of David, we find Jesus. You see, when you seek God in prayer, He will direct your path. He will lead you to the next step, and to the next step, and to the next step. And He will allow your life to prosper. Because God protects those that seek Him. And then, if we could all, we can all stand in this place before I close, and we respond uh, with any needs or anything like that. I just want to bring out one more passage of scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter two, starting at verse three. We read this. I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was that good for the sons of men which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water, to water wherewith therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees i got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house so also i had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in jerusalem before me i gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces i got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained in me, and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. And I'll read this verse. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of the Spirit." And there was no prophet under the sun. You see, there are two things that we could seek in our lives. There are, we could seek money. We could seek fame. We could seek uh, possessions. We could seek mansions. We could, this guy, this writer had it all. He said he had all of these things. He had uh, men and musical instruments and, and, th- and things of great money. He had possessions above all measure. So we can seek those things. And we can have those things. And there's nothing wrong with a little, some, some of those things. There's nothing wrong with, but possession too much, you know. But if we seek the Lord, yeah. how much greater is it? How much more profit do we get from seeking the Lord than seeking things of this earth? Right. Seeking the wrong thing will seem like a promise, but the things of the flesh will never perform the promise. Right. And, and we will be always left empty and wanting more. So I urge us tonight as we, we seek the Lord, that when we seek the Lord, we understand that His promises will come to pass. We understand that His word will not return void. And we understand that we can trust and believe in all that He says. Because when we seek the Lord, it is what leads to life everlasting. And so tonight, uh, I invite the prayer team to come forward. As they, are, as they are making their way, anyone with a, with a special need, a prayer request, anything of that nature, you can as well, as well make your way forward. Any specific needs in the house, make your way forward. And then for the rest of us, I wish that we would come down and that we would seek the Lord and seek His face. Because that is what leads to that, that life everlasting. When we get through those pearly gates and we see our Savior... That is when we will, we will be forever with the Lord and it will all be worth it. And there will be no more sorrow and no more pain and no more uh, hurting, but we will forever be with the Lord, the one who we're seeking, the Lord who we're pushing for. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.